Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the sixth day of December 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside on kind of a chilly night in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of former Detroit Tigers star Dan Petrie, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Well, the Giants made news, and let me tell you something. I, for one, am glad about two things. That they acquired a closer, and that closer's name is not Aroldis Chapman. There was a rumor that the Giants were kicking the tires, proverbially, on Chapman. And I think we all know my thoughts on Aroldis Chapman, what I think about him and why I don't want to celebrate him. He was the one, probably the main reason I was rooting for the Cleveland Indians in the World Series. was because I did not want to see the image of the Cubs World Series title be of a domestic abuser being celebrated. And while the Cubs did win, there was kind of a, you know, seeing Aroldis Chapman becoming almost the goat of the World Series, and certainly they won the World Series in spite of Aroldis Chapman's performance in Game 7, not because of it. <clears throat> not that that, you know, not that that evens any score out or makes it like, okay, well, you know, karma or anything. It just was, I was happy that the images of the celebration that we saw were of, were mainly of Rizzo putting the ball in his back pocket, but also Bryant and and Montgomery and and the other players. And the 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 legacy is probably going to be of uh, Jason Hayward giving a a pep talk in during the rain delay. Now I said this the the day I found out about that pep talk is that's one of these things in the narrative that is very much a sort of a uh, hindsight narrative. I have no doubt that if the Indians won the World Series, we would have found out that like Mike Napoli was smacking everyone on the back, going like, all right, let's do this or that. Or maybe Francisco Lindor was having everyone do jumping jacks or some crap. You know, when... when um, you know, Kevin Millar very famously was saying, you know, don't let the Red Sox, don't let the Red Sox win, because he was saying if they win this, they'll win this game and that game when they were down three games to nothing to the uh, Yankees. I'm sure someone always says that. Someone always does something or does some sort of pep talk. It's just the time when it actually works is the only time anyone ever notices. <laughs> you know, if you... You know, someone's always going to do something. Like, I think they're going to win this. I think they're going to win this. That guy said it. They're Nostradamus. But anyway, the point, I, I got derailed there. I got a little sidetracked. They were, if the Giants had signed a role as Chapman, I probably would not have rooted for the Giants in the National League. At least not for the year that he played. Now, it's easy for me to say that because seeing the Giants win three World Series titles, so I could take the high road a lot easier. But, yeah, I'm glad that they signed Melanson. Now, do I think this deal will bite him in the butt? Yeah, I actually think it will. 
Do I think Mark Belanson has four elite closer seasons in him? No. No, I don't. I don't think he does at all. I think he maybe has one or two. We see closers flame out really, really quickly. And inevitably, hey, a plane's flying right overhead. Uh, Inevitably, whenever there's a bum deal that you see in baseball, and when they list some of the bad contracts, closer contracts are almost inevitably on there. But the Giants need someone and something and someone to help anchor their bullpen. Someone pointed out that this is the, what, the fourth anniversary of Heath Bell signing that contract with the Marlins, the fifth anniversary, which was a catastrophe. When they signed him, they got a, they got a proven closer. Got a proven closer who was a catastrophe. You know, the Giants bringing in Melanson is a sign that, you know, I kind of wish they made a move like that in the season to bring in an experienced closer, but I, you know, you, you bring up, I'm going to bring this up again. When you think about the last bunch of World Series, the closer, the, the person who was the closer on each of the last, let's see, one, two, each of the last six World Series, the person they started the season as the closer was not the closer when the World Series was clinched. Hector Rondon started the season as the closer for the Cubs, turned out to be Aroldis Chapman, and Montgomery closed out the World Series. Holland was the closer of the Royals starting 2015. It ended with Wade Davis. Uh, Sergio Romo started 2014 as the closer. It ended as Casilla. And actually, they want him to bring Bumgarner out of the bullpen. It was a combination of Andrew Bailey and uh, uh, God Hanrahan and 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 Tazawa. There's a, a ton of people who were closing before they finally settled on Uehara for the Red Sox in 2013. Casilla uh, and Romo flip flopped in 2012, and it was Jason Mott finishing the year, of which Fernando Salas was the closer at the beginning of the season for the uh, Cardinals. And actually, I think there was another person. They had, they had several people. Believe me, it wasn't Jason Mott at the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year, he was the closer. So the notion of a big-time closer being essential to tying up the world championship has not been factually correct since, well, Brian Wilson was the last time a pitcher was the closer at the beginning of the year and closed out the World Series for the team. But the Giants needed to get a, needed to improve their bullpen because, you know, they're still a decent team. They're still a team that has Posey. They still have Pence. They still have Cueto. They still have Baumgartner. They still have Moore. Yeah, they still have a. They still have Crawford. They still have Panic. Yeah, this is still a good team. This is still a team that could contend and win ninety some odd games. So give it a whirl. Absolutely give it a whirl. Now, when you talk about, I, you know, I was bringing up the 2016 World Series. And, of course, the Cleveland Indians were one swing away from winning the World Series. If they, if they had got a home run off of Aroldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth, or if Martinez hit a home run in the bottom of the tenth, the Indians would be the world champions. And as it stands right now, they have, of all the current franchises, they have the longest championship drought. 
The city of Washington, D.C. has the longest World Series drought because the Senators last won in 1924. It's getting really confusing. It's just, I wish the Nationals would just win a World Series so I wouldn't have to put all these caveats on it. But as it stands, there was an interesting rumor going around, and that is that Edwin Encarnacion, who is, look it, again, a solid slugger, big RBI guy, whether you still like RBIs or not, huge home run hitter, and plop him in the middle of any lineup, and that's a lot of power. And he's going out there looking to get a big old contract. Now, if I were him, I would take a look at whatever the Blue Jays offered me and go back for this reason. And listen to me closely. The same reason I wanted Pablo Sandoval to go back to the Giants. Because if Encarnacion signs, let's say, a four-year deal with Toronto, he'll probably have mm, tops two more elite seasons and then fade out. But he'll have so much goodwill in the bank in Toronto that they'll be fine with his fade out because he delivered big hits and big moments, including the wildcard winning walk-off homer this year and doing the whole arm up and all that crap that he did and just, just all this excitement he brought to Toronto. And I don't know if he'll get a better deal because he is one, he's the last of the, what's it called, the uh, qualifying offer free agents with the, the stigma of the first-round pick that you lose hanging over him. And I don't think the Red Sox are going to go for that. It's clear the Yankees aren't going to do that as they sign Matt Holliday. You know, what other big spending team is going to go out there and do that? I mean, you could possibly say, no, he's not going to go to the Dodgers. He's not going to go to the Angels. He's not going to go to the Giants. He's not going to go maybe Seattle. You know, I mean, you're running out of teams that he would be a great fit in. Maybe Baltimore, but I don't see Baltimore doing it. That'd be weird coming to haunt them. You know, maybe Texas, but I don't really think so. Although he'd hit a quadrillion home runs in Texas. But the interesting rumor going around is him possibly going to drumroll the Cleveland Indians. At first, I thought that was bizarre because the Indians are a notorious penny-pinching organization. And while they got to, as I said, one swing away from the World Series, they certainly didn't do it with big-time free agents and everything. But then I started thinking about a couple of things. First of all, if his price is going to go down, it may behoove him to sign a shorter-term deal and a shorter-term deal where he can then go to free agency again without the stigma of a qualifying offer hanging over his head. That's a little bit of what Nelson Cruz did when he signed that one-year deal with the Baltimore Orioles before parlaying that in a multi-year deal with Seattle. But you think about the Indians. Would the Indians really do this? Would the Indians sacrifice a first-round pick and sign a, a, a hefty contract and everything. And a couple of things hit me. First of all, you put a hitter like Encarnacion in that lineup, and all of a sudden, and if they start getting some of their, their outfielders healthy again, 
and Salazar and Carrasco come back, that's like making a trade, then all of a sudden the Indians look like the team to beat in the AL Central. But another interesting thing that, as I said, when I talk about how the universe is a series of connections and reactions, this is not something that exists in a vacuum. The Cleveland Indians have Kluber. They have Carrasco and Salazar if they're healthy. They have Bauer and Tomlin. That could be a very, if healthy, that is as good a starting rotation, at least as deep a starting rotation, as you will see in the American League. They'll have Andrew Miller again. They'll have Shaw. They'll have Allen. They'll have that bullpen that we saw. And maybe if they pick up one extra piece here or there, they'll have even a little more depth in that staff. Okay, there you go. Got the good pitching staff. And you know they've got the combination of Kipnis and Lindor up the middle. They got Ramirez, who's turned into a fine third baseman. You got Santana, who's turned into a good, solid player and an interesting leadoff man. And if they've you know, managed to piece together whatever the hell is going on in their outfield, if they get a huge hitter like Encarnacion in the middle of that lineup, then they can afford to have roll the dice and you know pitch and choose who they want to have in that outfield, you know, along with you know Chisholm Hall and everyone else out there. But the other thing hit me. It hit me like an anvil today. Of course the Indians should do this. Beyond the fact of, hey, let's go push our chips in the center table and try to win. Think about the, what's happening in their division. The Minnesota Twins are a 100-loss team. They have a ton of young talent coming up, but they're also in a little bit of, okay, let's see what we've got. We're not ready now, but let's see what we've got. Okay. I'm going to take the Twins out of the equation. The Royals, still a fine team, but they have to look long and hard in the mirror and wonder what the hell they're going to do, especially because they won't be able to just let all their free agents walk and collect a bunch of first-round picks. they got to take a good long look and say, hey, look it, we got a nice core of players. We squeezed back-to-back trips to the World Series and a World Series title out of them. Are we going to let them crumble on our watch and have us become the Philadelphia Phillies post-2008, or are we going to try to trade some of these players, get something while they still have value? You're starting to hear that Lorenzo Cain and some of the other key parts of that World Series teams might very well be up for sale. All right. And speaking of sale, Chris Sale is on the market because the Chicago White Sox are a bit of a mess, and they realize, you know what? We have sale. Now, I'm going to do a whole podcast on him coming up. Don't you worry about that. But they are clearly in rebuilding mode. They have one of the best young aces in baseball, and they're trying to see if they can get three building blocks. So the White Sox are kind of out of it. And the Tigers, who narrowly missed the postseason this year and have as much star power as any team in baseball, are basically looking around going like, um, should we start trading away these players now? There's a possibility that Verlander could be on the market. There's a possibility that someone like Miguel Cabrera could be on the market. Certainly J.D. Martinez is on the market. They could be in rebuild mode. So who does that leave you with? That leaves you with Cleveland. That leaves you with Cleveland going in to 2017 
as the only team in the American League Central not in rebuilding mode. That's the one thing that I think is going to keep uh, uh, Kansas City or Detroit from going full on fire sale is the notion of, wait a minute, what if the Indians have a bunch of injuries and stumble out of the gate? We could sneak an extra division out of this. This is the Central. The Central has had the representative in the American League in the World Series every year since 2012, with the exception of 2013, when the Red Sox beat the Tigers, even though the Tigers should have won that series. And I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm admitting that. So suddenly something makes sense. Yeah. Encarnacion. Put him in that. Put him in the middle of that lineup. All of a sudden, it gives them depth and it allows them to mix and match and everything like that. And next thing you know, and some of the young players who may be coming up through the Cleveland organization won't cost them any of that. It just costs them a draft pick and some money. But it won't cost them any of their young players in their system. It won't cost them any part of their core. Instead, they go in defending that American League pennant, and the last time an American League Central team got to within one swing of winning the World Series was Kansas City, who came out like a house of fire the next year and went all the way to win the World Series against the Mets. And now you have Cleveland, who have everything lining up to just steamroll through the American League Central. If the entire division's rebuilding then the Indians should win that division by 10 games. Now, it's very dangerous to say that sort of stuff now because there have been plenty of years where when you take a look at a team, you go like, well, they're clearly winning. Like a couple of years ago when the Washington Nationals looked like, oh, my God, they're going to win the division by 40 games. God, they added Max Scherzer to the team. And what happened? They didn't even make the postseason. So sometimes... Expectations are difficult to, you know, difficult to predict when you're sitting here in December. But with that being said, if four teams are actively trying to, oh, I don't know, <laughs> rebuild, and you're the defending American League champion, and you're willing to put in one of the best overall sluggers in the American League right in your lineup... And it will basically just cost you a couple of years of some big-time money, of which the Indians may get a nice little bump in attendance and everything like that, and get a little bit of cash and a draft pick. And if you can say, hey, we can win the World Series and all the good things that come with that, if we make those two sacrifices, yeah, that might be worth doing. If I were Encarnacion, I would accept the offer from Toronto. That's my business advice, but what the hell do I know? It is an interesting time. It's an interesting time in the American League, which is a league of incredible parity. But at the same time, you're seeing one team, the defending champs, looking around and going, the defending pennant winners saying, hey, we have one more thing we need to do. And like Kansas City, who have to face the reality of being not huge, deep pockets that you can keep the team together forever, 
the Royals, if they'd rebuild, they can at least say, hey, we gave you two straight trips to the World Series and a title. What else do you want? If the Indians can do that and win that title in 2017, I think they could say the same thing. And do you know what? Encarnacion, I bet you'd like winning in Cleveland. It'd be pretty cool. You might even meet LeBron. So, it's gotten chilly. I gotta go back inside. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. Talking about rebuilding for the 6th day of December 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.